What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. Happy to be here Monday through Friday, even in the off season, maybe with the exception of the next week. It is Memorial Day. We'll see. I don't know. Probably not going to have a show on Memorial Day for you if that is going to ruin your life or you, uh, or you sign my paycheck and you want me to have a show. Uh, let me know in my mentions or my DMs on Twitter at Will Brinson. It is a holiday though. And it's, it's not an, you're like, Thanksgiving, we're going to have a, a show, right? Christmas, we're going to have a show. Maybe not Memorial Day, not exactly the busiest time in the NFL. Something breaks, of course, we will have that for you. In the meantime, we're going to keep churning through these over-unders for divisions. A lot of good stuff. Uh, coming up today, Dan Lifshatz and Joey Murray of 98.5 The Sports Hub are going to join me to talk Patriots and AFC East. Um, they host a uh, podcast called Over-Under. On 98.5 The Sports Hub, I, I recommend you check it out, especially if you're into betting. And I'm, I'm not suggesting you do any other. You know, like sports Sign offers great content. We have plenty of experts on CBS Sports, but they, they've been a little warm lately. So you should check that out uh, and follow them on Twitter. I believe it's at Dan Lifshatz, at Joe Murr, or Joey Murr. I'll tweet it out. Let's get to the news, then we'll talk to them about the over-unders in that division. Um, it's a crazy amount of news because the owners meetings are going on in Florida right now. First up, the draft. Dun, dun, dun. The draft is going to Cleveland in 2021 and Kansas City in 2023. When the NFL said it was leaving New York, it wasn't kidding. It's going with the Rust Belt. Um, so now we have three out of four of the next draft locations locked in. Very excited because hopefully... Uh, this show will continue long enough. This podcast will still be going in four years and we will all break bread at, uh, some delicious barbecue restaurant. We'll we set up, set up and do the podcast all week in Kansas City in 2023 for the NFL draft. Um, tw- but so 2020 Vegas. Hello. We're going out there. We're doing shows from Vegas. Come join us. 2021 Cleveland, 2022 TBD. Little weird to slap a TBD on a draft location and then 2023 in Kansas City. Uh, very quickly on that 2022 thing, my theory on it, and I think I tweeted this, but my theory on it is that the NFL wants to have that draft in Los Angeles at the new NFL network setup. They're, they're building a huge complex. NFL media is going to be there. Uh, they're currently in Culver City. I think it's in Carson. It's with the Rams and Charger Stadium. And they would love to have the draft inside that new fancy stadium. They're going to have a Super Bowl out there. They're going to show it off. But they don't want to commit to it until they're sure that they've got it, you know, everything in place. You know, T's crossed, I's dotted. They've already had to move the Super Bowl once. Out of LA because of weather. They don't want to deal with that with the draft unnecessarily. So leave it TBD, see how the construction's going, and, uh, and then go from there. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised at all if it is in Los Angeles. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it's in Memphis, Tennessee. To bring it to Raleigh. Charlotte, Charlotte is a Charlotte, Charlotte is actually a legitimate possibility. Um, I think what they want to do with the draft moving forward is to put it in places that are not going to get a Super Bowl. Cleveland is not getting a Super Bowl. Now, if they totally redo their their stadium, 
like build a brand new stadium, maybe they'll get a Super Bowl. I mean, they, they sent it to Minneapolis and that, that's not a knock on Minneapolis. It's a great town, delicious food, great beer. But I'm just saying like th- there are only X number of cities are going to get Super Bowls. They're going to venture. They're going to keep, uh, Tampa, Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles is now in the rotation. Um, they're going to keep these primary cities in the rotation. And then other cities can bid to get, you know, the Super Bowl every couple of years. And, and they'll throw the, they'll throw a bone to northern cities like Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota's a state, uh, or New York, also a state, also a city and, and, and Chicago. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they're not afraid to mess around with it, but I think they want to make sure that they can help out other, like other cities can benefit from having a giant NFL event in their city. Uh, and that's happening with the draft. This has been, and I'm not blowing smoke up the NFL's, uh, uh, Heine, whatever, but whatever you want to call it. What do we call it? Uh, the Brinson household, bottom in the Brinson household. But look, this has been a massive success that the NFL did not expect to have going on the road, Philly, Chicago, Nashville. Nashville is freaking awesome for the draft. They did not expect this to be as good as it is. And it's been great. And they're going to keep, they're never going back to New York City for the draft. The draft feels cool in New York City. They're never going back there. Why would you? They're, they're crushing it. Killing it. Cleveland, here we come. 2021, baby. Uh, the NFL also announced changes in divisional round playoff times. It's kind of a big deal. It won't affect you right now. It doesn't affect me right now. It doesn't affect anybody right now. But come January, this is going to be a pretty big shift. So divisional round games always at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. previously. No, no, no. Not anymore. Now they're going to be at 3 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. So you're used to two weeks of playoff games at 1 and 4, and then the conference championship games at 3 and 6.30. Now it's going to be one week at 1 and 4 on Sunday with the wild card games. And then 3 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. for the divisional round games instead of the 1 p.m., 4 p.m. games. Oh, that's on the Sunday of divisional round games. Makes sense. Um, actually, it makes a ton of sense. It's going to be annoying that they're going to – I mean, we're going to do it too, so I can't really complain. But um, it is, you know, like there's going to be – It's not. they're not going to move the start time for pregame coverage up from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., right? It's going to start at 8 a.m. On, on the pregame shows and run all the way to 3. That's fine, whatever. You know, there's – Got to pay the bills somehow. Um, but it does make sense from the perspective of you can now go do stuff with your family and get back home and watch football. The game doesn't start at one. I think a lot of people miss playoff games because they're out doing stuff. Maybe they went to church. Uh, maybe they went out to lunch. Maybe they're, you know, they're just, it just happens. And so this, this makes a little bit more sense. A little tougher to get the kids in bed for that 630 game. That's okay. But similar to the conference championship games. Uh, the scouting combine is going to stay in Indianapolis for the next few years and then go year to year on leases. Be very disappointing if they move the combine out of Indy. Um, I do think at some point though, the NFL wants to have more stuff go through Los Angeles. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had the scouting combine out there to show off their huge setup and to, to sort of have a home base for all this stuff. I also wouldn't be surprised if the NFL is like, Hey, Man, we're making a ton of fans and generating a ton of interest floating the draft around the country. That's after the combine. Let's do the same thing with the combine. And, 
you know, I mean, you could do the combat anywhere. Indianapolis is set up great for networking for, for NFL people. It would make it significantly more difficult if you took it to a different city to have the same sort of setup. But it's, look, it's gotten, um, I don't want to say it's gotten fairly, it's not crowded. I mean, it's very crowded. Like it, the, the secret's kind of out on the combine, right? It's no longer this little haven. So, so maybe it doesn't matter. The, maybe the bigger story though is that the drills from the combine are going to move to prime time in the evening. Now, this is how I know I'm getting old at doing my job or I'm just, just ever approaching my, the, my forties. Cause it's like my first reaction 10 years ago would have been like, sweet, put it in prime time. Let's rock. Now my reaction is, Oh my God. I have to like what? What if we have to work it? Like, are they going to do the interviews at eight a.m. and then we have to be up until eight p.m.? How can I go chug beer, red wine, and say elbows? Uh, no, um, I, I mean, I do, I do, I do think there is a concern here that the NFL is uh, catering to TV coverage, and that this, my opinion, will completely change if they put the combine on CBS or, you know, just so you know. It'll change completely. Um, <laughs> uh, I do, I do think that they are catering to the television audience. You see that with this draft stuff. You see it with the divisional round times. You see it with the combine now. And that's, I mean, they're, they like to make money. They like to grow the sport to make it more popular. So I get it. Um, but it is a little frustrating that they would fly these guys in for this rigorous four day stretch of, you know, I mean, it's like, like, you know, Bruce Feldman has a book called Meat Market about recruiting. And this is basically the NFL's meat market, right? And you're grinding on interviews and now, uh, you're being stretched into the evening when you're going to do the drills. I mean, they're, they'll be fine. They're 22 year old alpha males. They all, they all work out a lot. They will live through it and the cream will still rise. But you know, you're, you're putting, you're putting more on people's plates than you even were before. It'll, it'll condense the time that they have for interviews. It'll condense the time they have. With the media and with teams, they usually meet with teams at night. So if you're doing all these drills in the evening, I'm just not sure how it plays out, but it, it'll, it will change how we look at the combine. It will probably make it fairly annoying. There's more, uh, actual, like, that's all like weird. Um, I don't know how, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like, it's, you know, it's like weird, uh, uh, not pedantical news at all. It's just, it's just, they're making changes, wild changes. I don't like it. I don't like change. Uh, more importantly, how about Chris Long, who believes that the NFL will also make a change in the marijuana policy, appeared on the Dan Patrick show. You can check out remember, Andrew Perloff. If you didn't listen to that interview, that was a good one. Love Perloff. Uh, he is on the Dan Patrick show. You can watch them on Bleacher Report Live and, of course, on the Audience Network on TV. Um, but Dan had Chris Long on, and this is a clip of him asking him about the future of the marijuana policy. Well, we, we should be headed to a place where we allow players to um, enjoy what I would, you know, not even call a drug. Um, you know, it's far less dangerous than guzzling in a fist of alcohol and going out after a game. Uh, chances are the player won't even make it to the club uh, <laughs> to do this sort of thing that uh, we all kind of wag our finger at when we when we hear about a guy getting in a fight or, uh, DUI. Um, we're never going to read about him sitting on the couch and, and, uh, binge watching Game of Thrones again. So, uh, I think from a, from a standpoint of what's safer for people and the player, um, certainly people in the spotlight, uh, it is, um, you know, it is far less harmful than, than alcohol. 
Um, it is far less harmful than tobacco. And at various uh, points in the league's history, they have um, engaged in partnerships on different levels with, um, you know, um, th- those res- respective industries. So I think that, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a dry snitch. I'm not going to put a percentage on how much the league smokes, but um, I certainly enjoy my fair share on a regular basis through my career. So, um, you know, uh, and I was never afraid to say that, uh, but I, I'm able to say it more explicitly now. I mean, listen, if, if not for that, um, I'm not as capable of coping with the stressors of day-to-day NFL life. Um, you know, a lot of guys get a lot of pain management out of it. But what Tordall about testing, did, though, Chris? Tordall did more pain management for me. I think the test. So that's uh, that was Dan Patrick jumping in there at the end. Um, first of all, Chris Long, uh, you smoke weed? <laughs> Busted, buddy. Nah, like, a large percentage of NFL players smoke pot. A large percentage of Americans smoke pot. A large percentage of people in the world smoke pot. It's, it shouldn't be a surprise. It should be legalized. I agree completely. This is not some woke stance from a social justice warrior. If you say that makes you the clown, um, marijuana far, far less harmful than tobacco. Tobacco is, I don't want to go off on a rant about, um, you know, tobacco and booze and, and weed here, but I mean, tobacco, it's, it's insane that it's still legal in this country and that you can buy cigarettes. Like they're, it's just a, they're just a disaster and they kill people every day. Uh, I'm certainly not going to, you know, complain about booze <laughs> that we mentioned beer fairly frequently on this podcast i'm actually drinking a coco psycho from the, the the wonderful folks at brew dog right now it's about to fall asleep so you know a 10 percent imperial russian stout brewed with coffee and cocoa cocoa nibs uh certainly you know fits the bill for waking up a little bit when you record this podcast but in all seriousness um yeah i mean like le- just legalize it and let these players use it at their leisure for pain management. This Toradol stuff is a major problem, and you can see how the NFL, we talked about this in a previous podcast, you can see how the NFL is, is worried about it because of the way that they're changing their policy moving forward. So um, good stuff from Chris Long there. I couldn't agree with him more. And I I think 100% by the time the next CBA is signed, and we mentioned this too, Roger Goodell has said, and he said on Tuesday that he thinks they've made pretty good progress on a new CBA. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot at this point. Let's let's get a year down the road and see where it is. But I do think this is a CBA that could actually get done without any major labor strife. That would be a big deal and I would be I would bet um I would say that the odds on marijuana being approved or on the approved substances list for the NFL for NFL players in the next CBA I mean, I would say that like minus 500. It's like the Patriots winning the division this year. It's, it's a, it's a more, it is a borderline mortal lock barring something very unexpected happening. It, it, they're just gonna do it because it makes too much sense. It's a naturally occurring product that is now legal in multiple states that many players use anyway for pain management and they can stop suspending players. They've already taken steps to do it. So don't be surprised at all when that happens. Also in the news. Dak Prescott, apparently, as aired on NFL Network, has uh, submitted a counteroffer to the Dallas Cowboys. Have I submitted a counterproposal yet to the Cowboys' initial offer? Yes. What is it? You tell me. You, you, seem, you seem to know everything, so you tell me. 
There you go. How close were you guys initially? Uh, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I can't really say on that. Uh, I mean, it's it's one from each side. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's my first time doing this. Ask me in a few years, and I don't know. I'll be able to tell you. Okay, we've sent this one. They've sent this one. We're about to get it done. But as right now, I'm learning the process too, and then uh, just letting my team handle their business. You and Amari racing to the table. I don't know what Amari's got going on. I just, <laughs> I just hope he catches the balls up there. <laughs> but seriously, don't side your contract, Amari. Um, I am always curious what the Cowboys will do with their contracts because I think Jerry Jones likes to talk a big business that he's he's getting something done. I, you know, it's moving along. We're really pushing right, but like he really isn't doing anything. So it's all it's always surprise. I don't know. It's always interesting to see the Cowboys talk about this, and then they eventually kind of hammer it out. I I I would expect Dak gets a deal. I don't know if it definitely happens this off season. The Cowboys would be dumb not to do it this off season because if he has a big year. And you can go back and listen earlier in the week. RJ White and I talked about over-unders for the NFC East and AFC East coming up in one minute. Um, but if he has a big year and the Cowboys win the division again and Dak plays really well, they're going to be badly out-leveraged in terms of his franchise tag. And like he'll, I mean, he's going to the last year of his contract. So he, they'll have to tag him and then they'll have to do the same thing they did with Demarcus Lawrence. And so you know, you're going to have to pay him eventually. So why not pay him now? If you can get some kind of discount, pay him a year early rather than paying him a year late. Kirk Cousins and Demarcus Lawrence should have taught the Cowboys that, uh, and, and it would be, it would behoove them to go ahead and give him that cash. Gerald McCoy, by the way, also reportedly interested in the Bengals according, oh, by the way, I think there was, uh, Jane Slater of NFL Network talking to Dak, good follow on Twitter as well, and Diana Russini, Reports of ESPN reports that Gerald McCoy is reportedly interested in the Bengals. That'd be a good fit. Gerald McCoy, Gino Atkins, making some noise in the middle. The Colts and the Browns are two other teams that could fit the Gerald McCoy profile. And as I was I was shifting around headlines and finding the audio for that, I couldn't help but notice uh, that there's actually a headline at NFL.com, Wessling. Wedding recap. It's a podcast. They have to do podcast posts too, apparently. Chris Wessling, friend of the show, good friend of mine, got married, uh, this past weekend down in Tybee Island to Lakeisha Jackson. Congratulations to them. I don't know this NFL news, but big fans of the, uh, the Wesslings. Not Mr. and Mrs. Wessling. Congratulations to them. Couldn't be more excited for them. I think that's about it. Kyle Rudolph said he's got a five year extension from the Vikings, but he, didn't sign it or something? I don't know. That's weird. Maybe would have taken that money. Uh, and oh, Roger Goodell also said they're awaiting the Tyreek Hill investigation to wrap up before they weigh in, but they would like to talk to the Chiefs receiver. I bet you would. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then we'll break. Okay, I got to work on that. Let's take a quick pause, and then we'll take a then we'll break down the AFC East with Dan Lifshatz and Joey Murray of ninety-eight-five The Sports Hub. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, joining us now, as promised, from 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston. Uh, I'm fans of the Over Under podcast, Dan Lifshatz and Joe Murray. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Well, how are you? Uh, I'm doing excellent. Um, people should subscribe to your podcast. It has excellent gambling advice. Dan, you, uh, I believe, were 9-1 and one on the week until Luis Castillo pooped his pants on uh, in baseball on, uh, yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, Castillo and the Reds blew that blew that game totally, and so unfortunately nine and two. I'll take a nine and two week any week. I think Joe, you were five and two this week. You crushed yep. as well. So I mean, together we've been uh, we've been rolling. We've been pretty hot lately. I, I'll give us that. We'll do a pa- Barry Horowitz pat on the back. <laughs> I don't encourage people to listen to other podcasts, but I would tell them to listen to y'all's because you've been you've been nailing it and uh, great analysis on the uh, the NBA uh, series prices and hockey as well. I took the uh, took a bath on the Hurricanes. Should have listened to you. You guys on that took a bath on the uh the box the other day that's fine let's talk some football though uh we're gonna go to the N- the afc east instead where the over unders are already out the new england patriots in boston surprise surprise have the highest one of the highest win totals in the entire nfl it's actually down at the westgate right now quote unquote down to 11 but the over is minus 140 the under is plus 120 dan would you uh, even consider fading the New England Patriots? Absolutely not. I, I mean, I think I, I have them as my top rated, my top rated over, um, to be honest with wow. you. Listen, the Pats continuously hit every single year. Every single year, their total hits. It's, you know, I think with the exception of the past, I believe it's 14 years, with the exception of one year they lost when Brady got hurt and one year they pushed. Outside of that, they've hit their win total every single year. And for whatever reason, Vegas continuously tries to get, you know, tries to get people to bite on the over and it always backfires. So uh, they ended up pushing at 11 last year. If you got it late, it opened at 10 and a half, which is what many of us got over here in New England. So I to me. I'm all, I'm over. I mean, I have them projected right now for 13 wins. I think it's a little steep with their wide receivers, but I do, you know, look at the schedule. I think that that's right around, you know, 13 wins for me, Joe. What are your thoughts? Well, I just think betting the Patriots every year is, is money. It is whether you push, uh, or you win. Well, last year they, I believe it was a push, but the biggest thing for the Patriots is this. 
They have a new wide receiving core and they have a ton of new coaches. So how does that implicate the team this year? Like, well, is that something that you put into it? Bill Belichick's going to be calling the defense this year. So, I mean, he's something he probably hasn't done in a while, but for me, the way that the AFC East is, it is money every year to bet the Patriots. I would not fade in this situation. Yeah, and one of the things about the Patriots, too, their schedule is really friendly. I know they open with the Steelers, of course, at home on, on Sunday night. But they're the, at the Dolphins, Jets at home, at the Bills, at the Redskins, Giants, at the Jets, Browns at home, and then at the Ravens before their week 10 bye. I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure they'll slip up once or twice, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're seven and two going to that bye. And then really you're just looking for five more wins down the stretch. I mean, w- one of the things I do wonder, you know, do you guys think what Bill Belichick is trying to do is to sort of, z- I mean, he does this all the time, but do you think he's zigging when everybody else is zagging and he's loading up on this heavy personnel now that Gronk's gone, get Austin Sperry and Jenkins in there as a blocker, get a great offensive line, run the ball with Sony Michelle and Damian Harris? play possum a little bit, some low-scoring games, don't try and blow people out, and then get to the playoffs and just do what they did last year? Is that is that a sense in New England of what they might be trying to do this year? It's funny, Will, that you say that because it always feels like they're one step ahead of everyone else. For yeah. instance, you know, a while back they go with the spread offense. They start incorporating the slot-wide receiver and really make that a primary position on the field. Now – it feels like now everyone's kind of going to that spread offense and going with lighter personnel, you know, smaller guys, faster guys. And so now the Pats are kind of going the other way, drafting some heavier running backs, you know, drafting multiple running backs. So we obviously we've seen Damian Williams at Alabama this year. So, I mean, it's just it, to me, that's exactly what they're doing. And I think that it's. It's incredibly smart by Bill, knowing what he has to do to kind of get his regular season wins, especially with a de- you know a depleted wide receiver core and definitely a depleted tight end core. Joe, I mean, yeah. do you have yeah, just just to add something to that, you mentioned it. They drafted and kill Harry. Like they haven't drafted a wide receiver in the Bill Belichick era. The last first round wide receiver was Terry Glenn, and the years ago that had a lot of issues. So, but things are different. Like they're bringing Jamie Collins back. They have Van Noy at the linebacker. Do they put Dante Hightower as more of a rusher? Like. And just the one other thing is they drafted a kid named Joan Williams. He's a big defensive back. The league is going towards bigger receivers, so they're ahead of that game. Uh, they also have Duke Dawson from a year ago from Florida as well. So I think Belichick, just as far as his draft has gone, um, has gone bigger on defense. And then they also just signed uh, Inman as well as a wide receiver. So, yes, I think they're going bigger both on offense and at de- on defense. Belichick kind of proven that the, like the, the nerd, the nerd idea, the analytics idea that you got to invest in the cornerbacks, right? He signed Gilmore, uh, of course, brought, you know, you had, had the McCourty brothers, um, Duke Dawson in the second round, Jawan Williams in the second round, Deron Harmon is, is an older guy, but he's in the third round. I mean, you know, he's, he's put, he's put a lot of investment into that and, and it's paid off pretty well for him. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think you take the over on the Patriots. You, you just you don't make your money betting against Bill Belichick. Uh, what, one guy who I actually think is an up and coming coach uh, in, in the NFL is uh, Sean McDermott. And I'm surprised when you sort of look at, at the Buffalo Bills, the win total, by the way, has climbed all the way up to seven and the over is minus 125. It was as low as six before. Um, a lot of people like their offseason additions. Out of all the quarterbacks who were taken in the first round of 2018, the one with the most stability at, at the coaching staff, uh, in terms of head coach, offensive coordinator, and then in the front office at GM has been Josh Allen. And that's surprising for the Buffalo Bills. But I do think, in my mind, this is the second best team in the division. And I, I kind of like the over at seven wins. What do you think, Dan? 
I'll, well, I'll just say okay, yeah. right I'm out on the over. Give, oh. give the under on Buffalo. Second year quarterback with high expectations. We see this every single year in the NFL. <laughs> I am out on Buffalo, but you're right. McDermott's a nice fit. Allen, he's shown he can throw in the cold weather. I'm sure Dan will probably be completely opposite of that, but I am fading the fact that a second year quarterback with high expectations and a win total like that, I am out on that number. I, I'm not out. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> with you i agree i'm under on this on the bills look i think they're the most overhyped team in the afc east don't get me wrong i think that josh allen is better than sam darnold yep i said it i agree i think that josh allen is better than sam darnold but the rest of that team doesn't really impress me that much i mean look around look sean mcdermott has had a you know good couple years in buffalo but to be honest with you i don't love the rest of that core i don't really love what they're doing there we don't really know, you know, what really they're doing at wide receiver. Their, I mean, their offensive line is nice, but their offensive line is still in shambles. And to be honest with you, that was really the biggest issue last year. I, I'm still not sold on Buffalo. I think you're going to see some regression there. I think that you're going to see some, you know, I think you're going to see some surprises there. I actually think that they're going to be the second worst team in the division. I have the Jets higher than them. I have Miami just just a tad bit lower than them. Wow, really? I, I don't love the way that the schedule starts for the Bills. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that because they have, um, you know, they're at the Jets in, in Week One. I don't think they're favored in Vegas for that. And they shouldn't be. I think that's a coin flip game at best. At the Giants in Week Two, but then they get the Bengals and Patriots at home. I mean, they don't have to leave New York until Week Five. They get a Week Six bye, and they get the Dolphins, Eagles, and Redskins at home. Um, I, I don't think anything is an easy win for this team. But I do. I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I think. That Sean McDermott, that nine-win team that got to the playoffs, that team had that was that was like a five-win team at best, and he got the most out of them. I thought he got the most out of them last year, even getting them to where they were with that quarterback situation, that offensive line. I, I, I agree. I agree that the wide receiver and offensive line situations now are not they're not gonna blow you away like john brown zay jones and cole beasley with robert foster there is not that's not a you know that's not the 07 patriots or anything like that i I get it but i I do think there's some some nice blue collar guys that cole beasley grinded on these underneath routes to improve the accuracy um they have 17 different running backs at least 45 years older or more uh that can catch some passes i actually like devin singletary thinks he's a fantasy sleeper um and then john brown can take the top off so so I like I, I think the additions they made at these positions are pretty good, but maybe maybe I'm part of the overhype factor that scares me a little bit. You are, <laughs> but I do agree that team a couple of years ago was good. I think they've had a pretty decent draft as well. But the big thing for me is who catches the football for them? Yeah, like who's going to be their big time receiver this year for me? Who gets overthrown by Josh uh, Allen? That's the for, question. Like just in general, every year another AFC team tries to make the jump. To me, I just don't know if it's Buffalo. The other thing that really scares me about that win total is Vegas took a long time to move it from six and a half to seven. In fact, in a lot of sites, you'll see a lot of primary sites. They'll still have the juice at minus 165. What they want you to do is they want you to lay that juice, which scares the hell out of me for that for another reason, too, is that they're not moving that number despite the fact that they have, you know, a large amount of uh Money on one side, and despite the fact that they're not moving that money, that number, that should scare you. I mean, that, that should be, you know, cause for concern. Not to mention the fact that I just, I don't like their team, but the fact that they're not willing to move the number without, you know, really juicing it and, and keeping it there for a while. You know, a primary set that we use has that minus 165. To me, that does send off some alarm bells in my head. Um, and obviously again, 
Vegas is not, you know, pinpoint on these, but that does say, you know, it does say something to me that they're not willing to move that number and they want to keep it at six and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. It is interesting. So the, like on my, on my site, which is a local, uh, I think like the, the one that Joey uses, it's like it's up to six and a half and 184, which is just, I'm just not going to lay that kind of juice and watch the Bills win six, uh, six games. I'm just not going to do it. That would, that would be, too painful to deal with. Um, on the Westgate app out in Vegas, they have actually moved it up to seven at minus one twenty-five, which is a is a little surprising um, that they moved that they bumped it and then bumped the juice. I, I don't know. I, I think that indicates that they really like it. I I definitely like it less at uh, at seven than I do at six and a half. I probably won't bet it personally at seven, but it's one that really caught my eye. I think the Jets are a team that catch people's eye too. Um, Todd Bowles is gone. Adam Gase is in. It is a Apparently, uh, really going well. Everything with the Jets is, uh, is totally functional. They didn't get jealous of the Giants being the, the most dysfunctional team in football and then decide to have their wonky-eyed coach, uh, disappear from the camera in the war room. None of that happened. Uh, they didn't, you know, there's no dysfunction going on there, but there wasn't. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's like the, 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 the guy in the, the, the little dog in the, the firehouse meme. He's, everything's fine. Uh, Jets over under is seven and a half. Uh, it's just basically even money minus 110. Uh, your standard there. What's your what, what's your thoughts on the Jets? Right now, so Manish Mehta is a regular guest here with us, and he is very high on the Jets this year. And I, he made a lot of good points. Like Sam Darnold, can he make that next step? Uh, obviously, we know Le'Veon Bell, but like they had a really good draft, and I know there's a little bit of turmoil with their GM, but I just feel like Gase in the first in like that first year can get the team off to a good start, and I think he'll be able to to get Darnold. In the right place. So to me, they're the team I like the most in the AFC East. But just overall, like, I think they've done a good job. They piece things together. The Todd Bowles thing truly fell apart last year, but I like what they're doing. I, and I think a lot of people in the Jets organization like where they're going. And that, that's why they made the move at general manager. Yeah. I also just think that the, the familiarity with the head coach and division to me is important. He mm. knows the teams. And because of that, I just, it's important for me for that factor. I really like the Jets this year. I agree. I listen. Are they going to win nine, ten games, and make the playoffs? I don't know, but I feel comfortable with them. You know, at least probably going eight and eight. Do I love the over seven and a half? No. I think you know probably get some good, better value at seven. I'm not recommending you to take over seven and a half, but I definitely wouldn't recommend you taking the under seven and a half either. It's still the Jets. You know, as, as Joe alluded to, Manish Mehta, who we love to make fun of here, you know, <laughs> is very high on them. And, and that's, and that's all great. We love, you know, kind of like to give Manish a hard time, obviously, because he's a Jets guy. But nonetheless, it's hard for me to want to take that, that, that under because I do feel that they are the second best team in the division and likely have two wins against Miami. You know, they're not the team that goes down to Miami and struggles. That's the Patriots. So I do feel that they have two wins, you know, against the Dolphins there. You know, they probably get one against the, you know, get one against the Bills. They have to win five other games in their schedule. I don't think that's that tough, especially with the divisions that they're playing this year. I think that it's favorable for them. I like the over. I'm not, I wouldn't recommend it, you know, betting it though. I, I think it's kind of one of those, you like it, but you kind of still stay away from it. Yeah. So I, I think a couple of things I like about the Jets too, and all the recent controversies sort of turned me off of them a little bit. I was high on them before. Uh, I'll probably come back to them by the time the season comes around. Again, I, I'm with you. I think seven, seven, I would really like the over to, to actually bet on seven and a half is, is asking a lot, but, 
Um, adding Jameson Crowder to me is one of the underrated moves of the offseason. I think he's a perfect fit with what Adam Gase wants to do in terms of short yardage pass catchers. Uh, same for Le'Veon Bell. I know there's the stuff like Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell or thought they ever paid for a running back. That's fine and dandy, but he's a great fit in Adam Gase's offense because of his pass catching prowess. And then Sam Darnold, I think, is a perfect fit for Gase, too. Sam Darnold at USC ran a bunch of those crossers and the slants and the quick throws, and I think that he'll operate efficiently in this offense, even though he having to deal with the second year. The offense of line does worry me a little bit um, and I think they overpaid for a guy like CJ Mosley on the defensive side but I like the pieces they had the Williams brothers Mosley uh, Avery Williamson they got Jamal Adams and Marcus May in the in the, in the backfield uh, Tremaine Johnson who they got as well paid a lot for I don't know if I agree with their, their roster building per se like spending the way that they've spent but I do like what I do like what they have and then schedule wise dude this is like from week nine on they are at Dolphins, Giants at home, at Redskins, Raiders at home, at Bengals, Dolphins, at Ravens, Steelers, and at Bills. I mean, they might pick up six wins in that stretch right there if they're starting to hit their stride and all of that. So I, I, I can absolutely understand why people would want to take the over on the Jets. And there might actually be value based on the, the cluster bomb that it's become up there. Uh, finally, on these over-unders, Miami Dolphins. The, the lowest total in the NFL, heavily juiced, no less. Over-under is five, five games. The over is plus 110, and the under is minus 130. What say you guys? I got to be honest with you. This is this is tough because I feel like four and a half, five is that exact number it should really be on. I'm going to say I'm going to be a little bit bold here. I'm going to take the under on Miami. We have it at four and a half on, uh, at least on most of the sites that we use. You can get it at five in some places. At five, I like the under. I think honestly, you're probably getting a push at best there. Now again, the schedule is weak. You're going to have, you're going to have some games where, you know, Miami just unfortunately is going to be a favorite. It's going to be the way it is, but I, I do see the fact, I, I do feel that Miami is going to win four games at max. I mean, they're, they're honestly trying, it feels like, to be yeah. the worst team in the entire NFL. And I think what a, what a lot of it's going to be is what does Josh Rosen become? Are they going to play him over Fitzpatrick? And if they do, you know, is it going to be, you know, are they going to let Josh Rosen actually develop this year? Because you invested draft capital in him. You might as well let him play at this point. I'm a big Brian Flores guy. I actually think they have some talent on that on that defense. The whole thing for me is – they got those new uniforms this year, right? <laughs> they got those new uniforms. So sometimes it's not how you play. It's how you look. I think they are going to tank it to get some sort of big-time quarterback. And you mentioned the draft capital. Like, I actually like Rosen. Like, chosen Rosen. I actually like what he did. I do, too. Uh, at his time with UCLA and, and just, you know, some of the plays he had last year. They're somewhat of a sleeper. Like, to me, I would go with the over in this case. But at the same time, like, I don't know, is Tua? Like, you have to look ahead at the next quarterback. Is that next quarterback in college the guy that you want that's better than Rosen or even better than Fitzpatrick? I think the next year is the way to go. I think this will be a strong class. But overall, like, the Miami always puts up good games and they always play well at home. So a number of four, four and a half, to me, I kind of lean the over, even though there's a lot of talk about them tanking. Yeah, and I don't think the roster is as bad as I – mean, it's not – like it's not great or anything, but it's not totally bereft of talent. I mean, defensively, they added Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, who's a stud. Charles Harris, the 2017 first rounder, maybe he'll piece something together. Raquan McMillan showed something before he got hurt. Uh, Kiko Alonso just won't stop 
breaking people's necks. Mika Fitzpatrick is a, is a very good player. Xavier Howard is one of the best young corners in the league. I mean, I, I don't think it's that bad of a defense. I think Flores can do something with that. Uh, the offensive line is, is a major problem. We'll see how that, that plays out for, for Josh Rosen. But, you know, maybe Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills can piece something together. Mike, Mike Jacecki was a, a very athletic guy coming out of Penn State. Wouldn't be surprised if he had a nice year. It's not, a, it's not, it's probably not going to be a great offense unless y'all's boy Chad O'Shea is just a superstar offensive coordinator in waiting and, and maybe he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would lean under here primarily because of the schedule. They open up Ravens, Patriots at home, at Cowboys, Chargers at home. So three of your first, uh, three of your eight home games are burned in the first four weeks in Miami, which is weird because of hurricane season. I think that could cause some weather problems. Also, you got three really good teams you got to go against. They should be 0-4 heading into the week five by. Uh, and then it's just a bunch of road games for them, including three of four of their final games on the road, all divisional games. That's a rough spot to be in. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Two of four are divisional games. You get the Giants as well on the road. I, I just don't know if I love the Dolphins. I think it's t- it's too close. I wouldn't hammer the under, but I certainly wouldn't play the over as well. Um, I, I want to uh, really quickly before we get you out of here, uh, I'm curious. You, so you guys on the podcast, um, you cover – you're, you're fellow degenerates. You guys like to bet on everything. Um, you know, again, white hot. I encourage people to check it out. What's sort of the, the process that goes into, to, to making your picks on a weekly basis? Do you guys do models? Is it, um, like, is it, is it, you know, like what percentage gut feel models? Like, like what's the, what's the, uh, the approach here? So, well, it's kind of funny. Like Dan's been doing this for a while. I think he gets some information. Uh, we, we call it the lift shats, lift tests, uh, <laughs> is, is one of the things to do. I'm more of a bet it and forget it kind of guy. Like, all right, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, the one thing I will say though is in the NBA, the trends have been outstanding when it comes to the officials. We call it the wrangle, yeah. the ref angle, yeah. and it has been working and it has been money. But me and Dan are completely different. Like if, he he tells me, Joe, don't take the over. I'm taking the over. Like we're just, it's kind of like I'm the common man and he's the disciplinarian. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more of a I I do some model based stuff with some spe- uh, specific sports and I do some more of my own. Uh, I, I, I use the lines a lot. I'm more of a line reading guy instead of a bet it and forget it type guy. I'm going based off my gut. I use more of the line to kind of, you know, try and tell me the story. And obviously I don't want to give all the, the tricks to the trade, but you know, I, I think we, that's kind of the reason that, you know, our, our podcast works and our dynamic works is because we, we think differently. And when we do think the same, it either goes, incredibly well and we just crush it or it goes horribly wrong there's no in between i mean we either absolutely kill the pick or we just get murdered so you know it's it there's there's no in between and so it, it's fun we've done very well we're hitting at 59 uh, over like 700 picks now Woo. over a 45 week span which is pretty good we give out picks on twitter we give out picks on you know on the podcast and uh honestly you know we we just we try and interact and uh you know do what we can for everyone all right well uh, it's a highly enjoyable i will point out too before i let you go and i got the people yelling at me for for video stuff but um i will point out that uh when you got you guys pointed out on the podcast you said don't hedge and you're right people don't need to hedge people need to be looking for windows find windows and try to win both bets and that's how you hedge out of a bet but don't hedge don't completely wipe out your bet that's 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 what's the point of betting you're just or getting it with the bruins people are like oh i got the, you know i took the bruins should i hedge I'm like no yeah let the thing ride ride, ride yeah. it stop being scared yeah. you know if you want if you want to try to go for a legit middle 
cool with me. But everyone, everyone these days is so scared, trying to hedge everything. Just gotta let it ride. Just gotta kind of ride it out, man. Gotta have some balls. If you wanna, if you wanna pay somebody juice, you can come to my house and give me juice. I'll take it from you. Um, all right, guys. Hey, this has been a blast. Thank you for doing it. I encourage everybody to check out uh, the Over Under podcast and listen to ninety eight five, the Sports Hub. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks, Will. Time, Will.